0: what i distinctly remember is telling her that i was graduating in two weeks like i had just finished my classes but i was like yeah i'm graduating from afi and the wednesday after next and this is what i plan to do for the next year or two or however long and so long story short we hit it off and the next day she sent me an email and said they had already started production on season two there were three episodes in and she goes we're shooting episodes for this weekend here's our budget like basically jump in if you want this job um and so i did and we started working together that week, that week. our next week, guest that week, that week, that week. took the job and the rest
1: as they say is history but in her case story. welcome to naked y'all we got denise davis on the podcast
2: seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at black tech green money state farm insurance also cares about the growth of black communities
3: But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque.
4: AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower.
5: Greatest in sports and entertainment connected with every champion they carry champions to be a champion. Got a champion they carry champion, they girl who did it. Got a champion they carry champion they carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment.
1: Hey, y'all, I appreciate you for being here and listening uh, over the holiday break. Hopefully those who are listening right now has some time off um, and you're able to catch up on all the episodes of Naked that you missed. Uh, today's episode, really, really inspiring. Well, at least it was for me. I, it, it made me feel, just FYI, it made me feel like I needed to, to grind a little bit more as we approach this new year. So I say when you reflect back on your life, this is for everyone, most times I do believe that you can look back on an experience or a challenge, some sort of opportunity um, that really truly defined your career, your life, um, who you are today, your circumstances. Our guest today worked on Issa Rae's hit web series. I don't know if you guys know that she's not just from Insecure, she had a hit web series and it was called The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl. And in my opinion, uh, that was the opportunity that sent our next guest into what I believe is an extremely successful career to date. She is a producer for some of your favorite shows like Insecure and Rapture, if you watch that. Denise Davis is here on Naked.
4: I would like to start from the beginning. Um, I, I did a little research and you can tell me if this is accurate or not. So okay. you are from Vegas. Is this is this true?
0: Born and raised. I'm actually repping a UNLV sweatshirt. Was not planned,
4: <laughs> Tell me how your love for television, um, producing, um, entertainment in general started in Vegas.
0: In Vegas of all places. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, first of all, thank you for having me here. Um big fan and, and just excited to talk to you today. Um but yeah, you know, look, Vegas is, is a very special place. I know everyone says that about their hometown, but it, it really is the beginning of my journey. And um, I would love to add that I'm, I'm actually a second generation Vegas girl. My mom was born and raised. And so it really was all I knew growing up. Um, I, you know, had no ties to the entertainment world. And truthfully, didn't even think about a career in this space um, And really until high school, which sounds earlier than most people. Um, But I uh, actually grew up playing basketball. I was a point guard. Um, I took it very seriously, Um, went to a very great high school um, who had a a state-winning championship team. Um, And when I was 16, I I quit um, the sport. I just decided not to go back out for the team. And and really because I I started to realize my heart probably wasn't in it in the same way and that um, you know I had, had intended to go to college for it and everything. But I just was like, wait a second. I'm not as passionate as I thought I'd be to do that, to, to use this for the rest of my life. And um, by not going out by the team, what it, what it allowed for, and it wasn't intentional, but it did create a space where I did feel like I was trying to figure out like, well, what am I going to go to school for? What do I want to do? Like this, this sport um, had been my identity for my entire childhood and teenage years. And so um, by chance, I was in an elective type class in high school and um, this class was actually called Sports and Entertainment Marketing. And it truly wasn't really that. It was like the class you take because the teacher was cool and you could sleep or do homework and like catch up on other things. Um, But in this class, I observed these students and this is in like 2004 and this was the first time the school was allowing the students to do broadcasts for our daily school announcements and normally it's all over the intercom system in the mornings, but they were experimenting with uh, recording, like writing, you know, the daily updates and recording it on a green screen and then they would edit it and then it would broadcast in like fourth period. And I'm in the class where they're doing that really as an observer. And so I'm watching this and it's it's really taking my interest because I'm like, well what is what are they what is this? You know, um this is some cool and I struck up a friendship with, with one of the co-anchors and also that teacher. <laughs> and um, he started to let me take the video camera home to like shoot fun videos. And, you know, we had these computer setups and he and they were editing on Adobe Premiere Pro at the time um, and kind of taught me some basic editing skills and just through some class projects, um, I had an affinity for it. And I was like, this is a lot of fun. And, and I look back now and realize, I think I've always been a creative person, but I had never really tapped into this in this way and you know shout out to teachers i'm a huge huge proponent for mentorship and teachers in general but this man really did introduce me to a whole new kind of hobby that didn't exist in my life and so long story short you fast forward to my senior year and now i'm directing and editing and producing our daily video announcements and was taking that on and became The video girl at school like my senior year i'm doing (laughs) registration videos for the high school guidance counselors to play to eighth graders i'm doing commercials for the dance team to sell have people sell tickets to come to the performances you know i'm part of student council so i'm doing videos for the blood drive to advertise people to come and give blood during lunch and so i'm just having all this fun but um honestly i had no context yet in terms of the entertainment industry right i'm just now discovering a new passion and a hobby And it's time for college. And in in my search of trying to figure out what do I want to focus on, I discovered I can go get a degree in film. And that felt extremely foreign because I was like, who, what? I know people go to college to be lawyers, doctors, you know, you name it. And I was like, I don't know anyone who went to school to study film. Um, But I was excited that that existed because I was like, I want to learn more about this. And what does that mean? And so through that research, You know, I had one goal, which is to live in New York for college, which is, seems silly, and I applied to many schools throughout the U.S., but I was like, I really want to live in New York. Um, And I ended up um, actually seeing that through and and went to New York to attend Brooklyn College for film, and that kind of changed everything in terms of my trajectory. So I tell you all of this to say, Vegas and and high school um, is really where it all started just by chance and by, again, realizing that one identity was not probably going to be what I wanted for the rest of my life, and something else just took over.
4: I'm curious, what made you say no to basketball? What made you say I don't want to do that anymore? Because at the time, there was the dream of perhaps being in the WNBA. and You still had that as an oh, option.
0: Yeah. yeah um, you know, I've thought a lot about this. At the time, sometimes I wonder if part of it was fear of not being good enough. Right? There is always that. I think. Um, Uh, crossroads that we all get to when you know there's a you're at a point where you kind of have to level up so to speak and I had been starting and was captain on the JV team freshman sophomore year almost undefeated like really really solid team but I was being primed to move to varsity um into that next season and by accepting that and and moving into that I knew what type of responsibility that was going to require and it's not that I wasn't afraid of the work, but I just remember feeling like, well, if I'm not going to take this seriously enough to use this to get to college, use this to get to the NBA, WNBA, um, I almost felt like I'm taking a spot away from someone who probably really wants that for themselves, right? And it's just high school. It's funny that I'm like, why would I think about all of this was, at 16? But I did. I just, I just honestly also wanted to be a teenager. I was like, I want to get a job. I want to have a part-time job. I don't want to practice on Saturdays. I don't want to have to do the winter leagues. I don't want to do the summer leagues. Like, can I just be a kid? And that also really drove it too, which is the level of commitment it was going to require. Um, I just didn't want that. And you just start to really question like how passionate, how much do I really want this? You know, um, because I knew, um, that, you know, look, I'm, I'm a hard worker. Like I'm just going to put in the work. But I was like, what am I doing that for? Yeah. And it, by the way, that's
4: very thoughtful uh, at 16 years old to to have that kind of perspective. I don't even know if I would have been able to <laughs> that way at 16. So it makes sense that you became the video girl, as you said. And ultimately, um, that launched you into a world that I don't even know. Did Could you imagine the life and the work that you have done thus far? Could you have imagined what you're doing now?
0: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Mm. You know, it. it's it, felt far fetched, and you know I've always wondered, like, God, what, what, what made me so driven, right? Because I, I was I was very driven, and I've always been that way. Once I left to go to New York, um, you know, I decided I was going to be a producer my freshman year in college, and that was what my, that's what I wanted. And it wasn't about I want to go work for such such. I want to go, you know, work with these actors. It was like I want to be a producer, which is also an anomaly. And that just stemmed from you know doing my own research in that space and trying to figure out what felt right to me. But you know, I, I think um, yeah, so much of my journey stemmed from um, just being very certain in who I was and, and and just not being afraid of the risk and whatever that looked like. Right, because often you see this this far fetched goal in a lot of ways, and you're not quite sure you are going to get there. But I've always believed that if you have that intention in your heart and you know where you want to go, you know, life will throw a lot of different curveballs and the roads may look very different than what you think they're going to be. And somehow you still end up there. And um, I'm constantly, constantly uh, surprised and just grateful, but also my mind is blown. You know, I go home often and I'm like, my life would have been completely different had I stayed. Um, it's, just, it's, just, it's just crazy. I, I really don't know how I honestly got so lucky.
4: Uh, either way, I think you would have been perfectly fine and you would have been living a life beyond your dreams. But you said something that I think is really special, just not yeah. be, being afraid of the risk. You know what I mean? What it, what it looks like. So you uh, come into, you know right away you want to be a producer. Your mm-hmm. first producing job is What? Oh, that is a great question.
0: I think my first production job was um, was a student film in school. The first time I actually got to, you know, um, put uh, apply these hands on uh, a hands on technical skill set to producing versus what I was learning about in the classroom or reading about in a book. Right, It was the first time it's like, okay, now you have to actually produce. Um, and it was a friend's project, and I loved it. And and honestly. I also had to do my own like thesis film in undergrad, um, and I had to direct it because it was required of everyone, and I often joke that, like, I produced the hell out of that thesis film. Directing was not my thing. I, I probably just walked out in the park because I was so excited to produce my own film more than I was excited to direct it. Um, I love the idea of just school because I always felt like those four years in undergrad was, was like the best bubble where I just got to experiment. And I got to play, and there was no pressure. There wasn't. It wasn't about, am I going to make money off of this? It wasn't about this thing that I get to produce is going to launch my career. It was me really looking at that time as I want to learn as much as I can. I want to get as much experience as I can um, to just figure it out from there. Um, So a lot of the first things I ever produced were just these fun student shorts with people that I really liked. That's
4: the best time in life, right? When you just are exploring and trying and no fear, let me do this. I don't have, I'm going to try it and we'll see if it works. So you graduate, and what do we do with this dream of being a producer? Do we? Because it's, it's very different in television, unlike um, transactional jobs. It's not like I apply for this job, and I study, and I become. Sometimes there mm-hmm. are other jobs in between before you ultimately get what you want. What is, mm-hmm. When do you start getting paid to do this thing called producing?
0: <laughs> <laughs> not for another few years, to be honest. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> I, I think what's important to know is, is two, two things, right? One, um, I had I 11 internships in New York. I had 10 paid and one unpaid. And they were all with media, various media entertainment companies, everything from the Blue Man Group, who produced their own in-house content to interning on The View, the talk show, to interning for their executive, executive office, ABC's executive office of daytime programming. And I, and I mentioned that because essentially, while I was in grad, these these internships provided me an opportunity to really see some facets of the business and how they worked, and also really showed me how many jobs existed within the space of media. I was like, oh my, I didn't even know I can go be an audience coordinator on a talk show. Like that's a job, right? And so I was I was being introduced to all of this, and every time I'd finish an internship, I'd come back and say, you know what? That was, this, this world seems really cool, but I think I still want to produce. There's still something in me that feels like this is what I'd rather be doing and I got to see that through some internships etc but when it's time to graduate um I was like okay I have all these internships experience I've produced these shorts I've done I've dabbled with some other outside projects but at 22 I was like I'm not how do I say this I'm not a real producer yet right like I was like what how do I how do I realistically now go make this a full-time thing? And <clears throat> excuse me, I knew the, the usual path, which is like, maybe you get a job and you start at the bottom and you work your way up. But I had also heard and, and knew that there were graduate programs that existed that only focused on producing. And I said, you know, I think there's more to learn about this role. I'm, and I love school. I love an education and I love the bubble, right? Because I was like, well, if I choose to go back to school, I don't have to get a job right away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, at that point, uh, I also knew, you know, LA is Hollywood. And, um, at some point I'd have to explore that. And so I decided, well, why do I apply to a couple of graduate programs in producing that are only in Los Angeles? And if I can get in, then that'll be my ticket. That will be how I relocate. I don't have to worry about sleeping on a couch. I don't have to worry about finding a job right away. I can just do two to three more years of school and learn just about producing and then figure it out from there. And so I looked into a couple of options. I applied to the USC Peter Stark Producing Program and the American Film Institute's um, MFA program for producing. Um, and I ended up getting into AFI. And, and that truly changed everything for me. Um, and, and I can speak more on that later. But um, <laughs> so I up and moved. And I was one of the youngest producers in my class. I was 22, right, And, and graduate school. Uh, usually it, it ranges, the age ranges, um, from young to much older because some people take time off, they come back to school. And here I was going immediately after undergrad. This was just like, I want to learn. And, um, I truly give a lot of credit, um, yes, to Brooklyn College for a lot of the basics, but AFI for me is really where I thrived. It really was my affirmation years for me to go, Oh, okay. Not only do you want to produce, but I discovered I was actually really good at producing because now this is all I'm doing for those few years. Um and I enjoyed it so much that it just was like, yeah, like how could I do anything else? Um and I'm I'm very grateful that it was just like a full blown uh training almost uh, kind of program that uh it was unlike anything I ever experienced, right? Like you get to just do the thing you love and only do it for two years and not worry about doing it for money yet. Like
4: Yeah. It's great. Beautiful. It's beautiful, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Everything isn't about money. And when you start making money and you work in the real world, you, you miss those years. You miss those years. You said something that is beautiful. It was affirmation years for you. Discovered you were really good for it. Uh, good at producing. Confidence is so important in what you do. And that's the only way people are going to believe that you're good at what you do. If you believe you're good at what, yeah. what you do. I, it's like getting your hair down. I don't want you to play on my hair. You don't know what you're doing. Like, don't play with my. Hair. Like, don't do it. I can tell you don't know what you're doing. Don't do my nails like that. I'm being silly. Like little silly things. You're just like you don't know. No, what you're doing. No, no. Hey everybody, we got to pay some bills. You know what
1: that means. I require you to fast forward for just a few minutes. We'll be right back after this break.
5: Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion. champion and carry champion, champion and carry champion. Greatest in sports and entertainment. Can
3: Terms and conditions
5: apply.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Naked. I appreciate you for
4: listening. Denise Davis is still here with us. So you, you're at AFI. You leave. And are you flooded with uh, offers or people have is there a, a whisper about this beautiful smart go-getter on the streets who's <laughs> ready to take over what 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 happens and you stumble upon Issa ring?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're like how does this happen well uh just life I mean honestly so I think what's important to note is that um I graduated from AFI in 2012 um you know I'm 24 years old and that year is, is important, and the reason why is that you know I, I'm I'm a millennial to a lot of ways, and and in the years prior to 2012, digital was just becoming a thing, right? I tell people in 2011 when YouTube invested 100 million dollars into 100 YouTube channels, to me that began the the true, I think, convergence of what became digital media, because prior to that, no one was investing in that space. There wasn't any money. Being spent on content for the internet, no, you know it wasn't a thing, which sounds crazy because it's only twelve years ago, but it just wasn't. <laughs> um, and, um, but I'm aware of that in my last year, right? I was working and helping with some YouTube creators on stuff, and you know, I'm really thinking about what am I going to do post AFI. And look, the one thing I knew that was true, which is the the traditional path, the usual path in entertainment, is even if you get a degree or you just move here and you never discovered film. You try to get in a job as an assistant. You try to get your job at a, at a mailroom, at an agency. Like you try to get your foot in the door in these entry level positions that at least give you access. And wherever you go from there is, you know, a, a deck of cards, right? And I knew that. And I went, you know, no ego, but I'm really good at this producing thing. And I feel like if I go and take those jobs that are 40, 50, 60 hours, I get to produce, I get to learn, I get to have, build a network. But I'm stuck on someone's desk and not able to apply all of this great things that I just learned. And I want to do more of that. And I've always been broke. I'm not afraid to be broke for a few more years. And when I saw what was happening in, di- in the digital space. Um, <laughs> hold on. I mean, like, like, hold like, on, Missy.
4: <laughs> I can't,
0: hold on. I, I don't was, sell that dream. I don't, you, you listen
4: to you, but I love it because we've been broke. And we know You're what it feels broke. like, but I don't ever want to go, I don't want to go back where well, you want to free to be. Think of this mindset. It's so, it's just genius. I'm not afraid
0: to be broke. I want to hustle. Well, I mean, it's, it's yeah. It's when it's what, what you always know. I was like, I mean, okay. Like eventually I'll make money, but that, it wasn't the motivation, right? It was like, hopefully this thing leads to paying the bills, but you know what? How do I just stay afloat for, how, what? how I remember doing a budget after coming out of school and I was like, well, how much do I need to make just to pay the bills and survive? And if I could just make that, that's it. Like, I don't, I'm not trying to save for a house right now. Like, that's it. Wow, wow. So, um, but, um, but I, I say that because, you know, I see what's happening in the digital space. I'm torn about what I'm supposed to do, what's, what's traditional in terms of the, the entry level um, positions. And I said, well, let me think about this. These web projects that they're spending money on, I mean they're not millions of dollars they're like 50k they're like 20k right like they weren't giving loads of money to creators for digital content and you know my AFI thesis was almost $75,000 and so I was like well what's the difference between the work I just came out of AFI doing at these budget levels and this digital content and you know what that's work and if I can get jobs in the digital space, even at that budget level, well, they got to pay me something. It's not like I'm working in that for free. And I had the option to basically consider a freelance career. And I said, I, I'd rather take my bets for the next year or two and freelance as a producer, see what jobs I can get to be hired, um, you know, uh, for a project or two, as long as I make enough money to pay those bills and see where that goes. Because even if, uh, that fails, I've always felt like, and, and it's maybe the Vegas in me, but I'm like, I can always get those jobs. Those assistant jobs don't go nowhere. That is just how they've yeah, always right. stayed there. So why not, why play it safe and just do what everyone else is supposed to do versus what I really feel like doing, which is going to now apply my, my skill sets to real things and practical things that I feel like I'm very capable of doing. And so that decision led me to applying to a bunch of things online that were like on craigslist on mandy but it was like producer for a music video paid boom send my resume producer for this paid. send my resume and just being like i'm just gonna apply to like 20 30 things um and actually I had a friend who sent me another job and it was from a, a google group and it was like a web series looking for a line producer paid and he was like i saw this out of you i know you know we recently connected and i told him i was gonna go freelance for a little bit um, And so I sent my resume to that job. And um, that night I got an email back from a woman named Issa Ray, And she was like, hey, I got your resume for this job. Could you meet for it um, the next day? This was on a Friday. She wanted to meet on Saturday. And I was like, absolutely, scheduled the interview. Um, and then I Googled her because I wasn't, she didn't mention what the web series was. I wasn't really familiar with who was emailing me, right? It just could be some creator. And what I discovered was season one of Awkward Black Girl. And at that time, Misa had a little bit of press about her in, in the show. And so I did all my research. I watched every single piece of content on her channel. And I essentially showed up to that interview being like, look, I don't know who you're meeting with. This is just who I am. This is all I want to do. This feels like the perfect opportunity. Um, and I never forget, um, she has a very different perspective. But, I mean, she's like, oh, you showed up in a Massimo tank top. And and I was like, I don't remember any of that. What I remember is <laughs> <and she's>, um, <laughs> I remember I was we met. <laughs> yeah, right? And I was like, did I really wear that? Um, but in, uh, what I distinctly remember is telling her that I was graduating in two weeks. Like, I had just finished my classes, but I was like, yeah, I'm graduating from AFI and the Wednesday after next, and this is what I plan to do for the next year or two or however long. And so long story short, we hit it off, and the next day, she sent me an email and said, they had already started production on season two. There were three episodes in and she goes, we're shooting episode four this weekend. There's our budget, like basically jump in if you want this job. Um, and so I did. And we started working together that week. And I came in and episode four of season two is the first episode I produced and, and obviously continued on through the rest of that season. Um, But I'm so grateful. Cause I mean, talk about timing. I, I think about my story often and I'm like, man, god's timing like the divine timing sometimes of, of when opportunities present themselves even when you least expect it and, and i tell a, a lot of young creators now I'm like you can't have your nose up at any opportunity just because it doesn't meet every single mark you're looking after because you have no idea where that will lead you and what that could uh bring you next or what that relationship will will continue to um evolve into you know and obviously meeting so when i did it changed my life. I look at the trajectory I'm on now, and there's no way I can't point to that and say <laughs> that that opportunity has everything to do with it. Uh, so I'm very grateful for it. But yes, that's essentially how we met. And um, uh, the next three over the next three years, I was a freelance producer, and I continue to work with Lisa on a lot of different things. Um, we started a company together at that time called Color Creative. Um, but when I wasn't working with Visa, because this is also pretty insecure, Visa was also trying to You know, build her own career. She wasn't, she didn't have a ton of money either. And so a lot of that work might get paid here and there, but to pay my bills, I was a freelance producer. I did music videos, I did a lot of short films, I did a lot of other digital content for other creators and and these digital networks. And every time you used to call me with something, I was like, let's do it. But she wasn't like, that wasn't my full time job either. Uh, I was a hustler. I, I had to figure out how to pay these bills and just got all of this experience, which was just incredible.
4: Oh, God. I love this story. I'm so excited. The way you're telling it, I'm visualizing it. I'm there with you while you're hustling. And I, could, I could only imagine going from school to a job, literally a job. And, and you were doing the same thing at AFI, but now you're working with different people. And there are all these other dynamics that come into place that weren't necessarily in there when you're in a, a different type of environment that's a little more controlled. Um, but you work mm-hmm. with Eser and you freelance over the next three years. When do you get, in your opinion, because you had a series, your resume is so long and so and so colorful and beautiful. You get a series of gigs. Um, and, and and for our listeners, most notably, everyone knows of uh, uh, the Black Lady Sketch Show. And you have mm-hmm. you've been nominated, I believe, four times. Am I correct?
0: Four yes, one one for Insecure and three for Black and Sketch Show,
4: yeah. Okay, 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 we're my Aries and I'm still in my early 30s, I love it. Okay, <laughs> wait a second, so then, so then this is like a lifelong dream for so many people. I think of I think of actors who we've watched since we were kids who just recently got their first nomination and or win, I think of somebody like a Shirley Ralph. Well. you know what I mean? Just like, mm-hmm. it's just incredible to think about the frontier that you have, that you helped build starting with YouTube and, and that digital space, like you said, just 12 years ago, but still like Issa will tell you that was it. Right. And that changed everything. Um, and now everybody's an influencer. Everybody has a YouTube page. (laughs) You now, now, um, get this, how do you get this production deal? And correct me if I'm wrong. I want to know what that deal looks like and why did you want a production deal? I often hear people say like Robin, I'll say, I just signed a a multi-year deal with HBO or Issa did mm-hmm. the same. What does a production deal mean for the leg? It's super simple for me. Like you signed this
0: production Remplates. deal and that entitles you
4: to do what?
0: We should have a caveat. So, you know, post awkward black girl, I continue to work with Issa for the next eight years, right? That's insecure. That's a black lady schedule. That's everything that came with it, which was um, glorious, crazy years. Cause it all happened so fast. Um, and then in 2020, I left my post um, kind of running Issa's production company to launch my own. And so what you're referring to is probably Reform Media Group, which is my my pod. And um, the first thing I wanted to do was go find a deal. And so a production deal is very important for anyone who chooses to be a producer. It's specifically, at least for me, when I'm not a talent, I'm not a writer, I'm not a director. I don't, I'm not a multi-hyphenate where I have another... Uh, talent that I can um, lean on and generate income outside of producing, right? Usually you can figure out a way to do both. And so when you are an independent, like non-writing producer, like myself, um, these production deals provide the financial stability to do what you do because they are essentially uh, a, an exchange of, you know, an advance of certain money that can go towards your overhead. So I can put myself on salary, I can hire an assistant, etc., um, an exchange for me exclusively working with that studio partner. And so, you know, when people see those, you know, know that it's like the Holy grail of producing. It's not like everybody gets a deal, but why they're important is because if I don't have a deal, I can develop and try to get projects made all day long, but we know how hard that is independently. And even then, um, the average person doesn't understand that as a producer, I can go sell a TV show tomorrow. I can have a deal for that show. And it's going to say, I'll get X amount of money per episode. But the caveat for me as a producer is that it's when it's made. So you know how shows can spend two, three, four, five <laughs> years in development? Yeah. Well, the, the, well, the writers, yeah, the, the writers getting paid during that time. The, whoever did, the producer, I'm working on it. I'm giving notes. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to move this along. But in the, that entire space, I don't get paid for development. I only get paid when they decide to make that. Right, and so when you are a producer building a slate, and I am at the mercy of these studios greenlighting our projects in order for me to pay the bills, well, if I don't have a deal that's helping me like make money in the interim, then I will be broke. <laughs> like how do you survive, <laughs> Right. Um, so that is what these production deals consist of. That is why they were important, um, and it's what I, I sought after once I, you know, uh, I left my my very cushiony lovely position with Issa, and said i'm gonna go try to do something that i actually forgot about for a very long time which was my own dream to have my own company and figure out what stories i wanted to tell um but in order to do that i was like well how are we going how are we gonna pay these bills because well, now i felt like i was i was you, 22 you, year old Denise, I, wait, like, I, was like,
4: I, was like, I was like i thought we didn't mind being broke denise what happened we got two. we, we got didn't we didn't <laughs> but, okay
0: so okay. here's the thing Carrie, but you, but you got to remember too, you're at a point in your life where now I built a little bit of success. I was used to having, um, a, a steady income and extra fees, right? Like I was, I was at a yeah. place in my life where you could get I extra, finance. Could get extra guacamole and Chipotle and we get a, exactly. 1000%. <laughs> I'm not out here trying to find the best flight deals. I'm over here being like, I want to fly with Delta because I like Delta. So like, you know, like, I, decisions are different. Decisions are different. Um, you know, it's like going from spirit to delta. You're like, oh, this is, I'm doing differently now. Um, <laughs> uh, but to that point, um, once you, you know, look I, at any point in our lives, once you hit financial stability, the hardest thing, even if you know, it's, it's not what you, uh, love doing, et cetera, is to unattach yourself from that and really pursue your dreams and your goals. Right. And so again, I felt like it was cyclical where I'm like now in a moment where I'm like, okay, I want to do this thing. But I understand by doing it, I'm going to have to take another risk. I'm going to have to say this, this lovely, you know, paycheck I'm getting, like, I'm just going to go for it. And this is where that mentality comes from, where I was always like, well, what's, well, what's the worst can happen? I can try for a year or two. I'll probably run out of money. If I don't, I don't get a deal, I can always go get a job. And he was like, girl, you can always come back. And I was like, thank you, because I just needed to make sure that I had backup, if nothing else. Um, but you know, I, I just decided like, well, what else do I have to lose? Right. If it's, if, if I always try to make my decisions around money, I'm never going to be happy because that's not what it should be about. It should always be about what makes you happy. What are your intentions? And, and I'm willing to risk it all to get there. And I just wanted to be one of those people that I could look back and say, at least I tried versus what would have happened. And I don't want to live the What would have happened?
4: life. I don't want you to live that well what would have happened like either, sir. I love no. this for you. I love all of this. This is so inspiring. You. you are inspiring me. You're reminding in the year 2020, I, I think there needs to be um, a movie uh, of some sorts made. I always think about these creatives because every time I talk to someone about the year 2020, it was defining, for better or for worse for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but very defining. And it, it made people decide, will I be an entrepreneur in my way? Uh, covid um, the pandemic really took people in a creative space, whether they wanted to be or not, you know, how we use our resources, yeah. how we decided to work, how we decided to live. Uh, and sometimes unbeknownst to us, like I left ESPN in 2020, mm-hmm. in February of 2020, and I had no idea the world was going to happen. Oh, wow. But I, same idea. I was like, I'm leaving this paycheck, girl. I'm about to go out here and try to do it. I don't know what I'm yeah. doing, but I'm about to do it. Just figure it out. Yeah. I mean, and
0: and shout out to you because now now someone's hosting the uh, the New Year's Eve special, <laughs> so you know, like, <laughs> God, Go. you take the
5: risk. Go. you
4: take the risk. Always shows up and he affirms your dreams and your plans when you when you bet on him. So I believe in that. When you bet on, when that, you bet,
5: on that, so. you bet on that. Every champion. Carry champions to be a champion of a champion and carry champion and carry champion a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, raiders, raiders of sports and entertainment can make it
2: Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. Along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Alright, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized
3: that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and
4: outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue.
7: AT&T connects an ode to podcasts
3: Terms and conditions apply
4: so I, I am curious so you have this production deal with Tyler Perry your production company is reformed what why that name?
0: So uh, I obviously didn't come by it easily because I had a lot of terrible names before (laughs) I landed on reform. Um, But what I was really trying to find was something I I didn't want a company in my own name because I was like, I'm not, I'm actually very shy. I'm not a talent facing type of person. So I was like, it's not about me. Um, But what do I want this company to stand for? What do I want it to be about? And the one thing about my DNA, if you can't tell already, is that I know that I'm, I'm I look at myself almost as an outsider in this business because of how I came in and and kind of just what my trajectory was like. And by looking at that, I'm always fascinated by, I think, the traditional norms and systems that um, we are placed within and and how we have to operate within them. And I don't like that. And so when I think of the mission of reform and and what it should stand for, it really was like, how do we do things differently? How do you really... kind of change the system. And I'm not a huge believer of like, you can change it from the inside. Sometimes I'm like, well, you got to build a whole new system. You got to reform something. And it just stuck. And the idea of reform media, the only thing that, that was closest to it was the reform alliance that I know the, um, the, the guys have put together for uh, recidivism and, and prison system. But I was like, well, that's a whole different lane. So I could take reform and use it for media because the, the, the mission is the same, right? I want to do that for hollywood and really try to find just a new way to do things and you know you speak of this deal with tyler perry i mean sometimes i wonder if i manifested that because you could have met me three four years ago and i would have never believed that this is where it would have led because it's not like i left because i had this deal um it came about uh around that same time and i i sat there and said this is so fascinating i'm getting an opportunity to do a deal with someone who just couldn't define what it means to go outside the system more and he's extending an an olive branch and an opportunity to kind of follow in his footsteps but also he wants to bet on me and you know I I couldn't take that decision lightly it still bothers my mind but you know
4: easy money you you know
0: easy money because Yeah, well, because here's the thing, I could have done a deal and I was in various conversations with any traditional studio, right? Like that's what you normally do. But here out of left field came this opportunity and chance to do the same thing, but with someone outside the system and, and also a black man uh, on top of that. And that was just, yeah, it was just exciting. And it felt like, oh, I, I, how do I call my company Reform Media and be about this mission and say, I want to change the way we tell our stories. And I'm getting literally an opportunity to do just that. Like, how do I turn that down? Um, So again, I was like, well, I don't know what this will look like or what will really happen. But what's a couple years to find out? Because I'd be more excited if it's successful there because I already know what these deals look like. I want that. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to try something new.
4: Yeah. Oh, my God. Reform in every way. Uh, This is so great. I just want you to I'm gushing over you because I just love this for you. I'm so happy for you. Oh, thank you. I really, really am. It just warms my heart hard to see a brown girl dreaming like it just is beautiful
1: so i need oh, to know
4: you. talk to me about as i try to to move go down the, the timeline if you will and the, the time which we have allotted um what is the <laughs> now project the next the now and the next project for you that you um are here to share with us and, and and how we can support
0: well i can't say too too much but know that you know i've been in this deal for a year um obviously we had these strikes that impacted every single one of us this year, uh, which just slowed things down. Um, But a lot of great, a lot of good came out of it, actually. I I think there was a lot of personal growth for myself that came out of it, because I, I like the pandemic, I had time to think uh, and strategize. And so um, what I'm most excited, and what I can tell you is that as I get into 2024, I'm finally about to embark on the first project that is from this partnership, Um, and it is a movie, and it is they're exciting and and again this deal isn't for me to come in and do any of tyler's works he's still doing him he's basically allowing me to come in and, and tell stories that i want to do um with his uh, support and, and his studio's backing and so um it's such a huge huge deal and i'm so excited that i finally get to see the first uh, uh project come to fruition out of this and then to see what happens from there right and hope that snowballs into many other things um so I'm anticipating next year will be very busy um, in terms of just like back-to-back work. Um, but I'm excited. It's. I will say I was disappointed this year because I, I was like, man, I was supposed to do this film last summer and we couldn't do it. And so I did feel like I just had to wait six more months. <laughs> just, just wait, Denise. You, you're going to be able to like huh? do everything you just set out to do these last couple of years just wait a little bit more longer. Um, but. We're in a really good place and, and it's gonna happen in the spring. So uh, I'm thrilled. Uh, I can't wait to come back and tell you more about that journey yeah. when I can talk about it specifically. Yeah. But just know that um, I feel like I'm back in the place where I'm like, all right, now I has gotta do the work. I'm gonna do the work and we're gonna see what happens.
4: When, when do you start teaching? When do you start doing the classes? When do you start sharing mm-hmm. all of this that you gave me in this shorter period of time? with, the, I'm listening to you right now. I'm like, I know there are so many women who need to hear this, so many people, period, who need to hear. The hustle, because what I'm hearing is this: it's a patient hustle. You were always working and figuring it out, but like if you didn't know what it was, you were willing to do the work to figure it out. You know what I mean? And people just want it so quickly, mm-hmm. so fast, so hard. I need it, but there's a patient hustle. Right. That, there's an ebb and flow to to putting a project together, and you and you have you know so eloquently described that patient hustle and, and how it's paid off for you. So when do when do you start doing that? Because I think you need to all start doing like TED Talk classes.
0: I know. I know. I think about that often. I mean, look, I, I'm here speaking with you. Um, I love, love, love nothing more than it, to give back and, and give mentorship and also advice, support, and do talk backs and panels, especially to emerging creatives. So anytime someone reaches out or, or asks me to do it, um, I'm always happy to because I was that film student. I was that girl. And so I know how invaluable that just someone answering the questions you have in your head because you just don't know. I didn't know anyone. Right. And so sometimes I'm like, I just wish I had the information that people are able to have this day because I didn't, I didn't have that. And so I feel like it's my responsibility to give back um, and share what I've learned because those resources just didn't exist when I came up and, um, and it should. And so that being said, um, I've always felt like I want to teach one day, one day, eventually, later in my years, it's kind of making every time <clears throat> yeah. and plan in the book, um, in the book. <laughs> and then I've always figured out like in yeah, the book, right. right. I was like, eh, I never right. book, but um, in the interim, I just try to make sure I give space and time um, to share what I know and what people want to hear from me. Um, and just makes myself available for that. Cause why hold off? It, right. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm still learning too. That's the other thing. I'm like, I'm not, the best expert at this i'm just sharing my experience and what i've learned and what i wish someone told me and that's kind of like the basics yeah. i think and anyone should be able to do that.
4: yeah i think the job teaches you the job but it's the mentality that i don't that i don't find that most people get it's hard to 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 adjust and focus and 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 believe in yourself and take chances and walk away yeah and you said you said something financial stability it's really tough when you have it and you're like I think i'm gonna walk away from that
0: <laughs> well you know because i went back to that like i know what it's like to be broke mentality as much as i never wanted to go back <laughs> to being broke i was i wasn't afraid of it yeah. right even though you get financial stability yeah. i was like i'm not afraid to take this risk because i've been there before and i know what that's like i can i can reset my my boundaries and, and my lifestyle accordingly um and if that's what it's got to be it's what it's got to be but look if i was able to build financial stability after a few more years, just because I start over again, it should mean that I'm not going to be able to achieve that again, because I've now been able to. And so I just kind of have to live with that optimistic perspective that like, it's all going to work out, you know, and, and maybe it's a lot of my mom and still with me, but I'm always like, it's always going to work out. And why? Well, because I'm never going to be homeless. I have a loving family home I can always return to. I'm always like, oh, I can just go back to Vegas and get a job as a cocktail waitress. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be okay. It's like, I will find a job. I will um, eat. So why not? Yeah, like, so why not go for it? Um, and you said something else too that I think was very important, which is, you know, if you had met me in film school or grad school, I would have told you at the time my dreams were so prolific, but I was like, you know, I want to, I want to make an indie film, an Oscar darling by the time I'm 27. I want to be nominated for something by the time I'm 30, like an Oscar and just, you know, do this whole thing. And it wasn't until years later where I said, you know what's fascinating. I didn't even plan this this way, but I I didn't make my first film by the time I was 27. But when I was 27, I shot the pilot for Insecure. I produced my first TV show for a major network and I didn't get nominated for an Oscar by the time I was 30, but I got nominated for an Emmy. And I think, you know, when I see that type of success, it just made me realize how much we also just have to be flexible and open to what we define as success for ourselves, but also the goals we set for ourselves. Because, you know, when Esau offered me the job for the web series, I could have probably been like, I just want to do movies right (laughs) now because I'm trying (laughs) to do this. And it's like, you know, again, being open to yeah. the opportunities because yeah. you just you don't know, know whether they never know. You just don't
4: know. I, I, I you are cut from my cloth. I believe in that in every single way. I root for you. Um, before I let you go, I, I like to. I really, truly like to manage my time when I do podcasts. I, I have a couple of questions for you personally, not too deep. Um, tell me about the spelling of your yeah. name.
0: You know, I wish there was a fantastic story there. <laughs> uh, I've asked my mom and what i get back is that when she she always loved the name denise and usually it's spelled d and i s e and she looked at it and just felt like it was missing Mm -hmm. something and she was like it just felt like it was incomplete, and she just added this e and i'm grateful for it because it's made my name very distinguished when it's out there um but it's also confused a lot of people my favorite is when People try to mispronounce it because they're not sure. And I'm like, no, it's just, it is, it's what you think it is. It's fine. It's not D-E-C. It's not <laughs> or, you know, um, but shout out, you know, shout out to moms who just, who just had to add a little, little By action. the way, that, that's your right. That's your existence. The
4: world was missing something and they needed a little extra and you're giving it to them. Right. So that's like, it's beautiful. Um, there you
0: go. I love that
4: i'm gonna I'm use that uh, yeah What's you can take it that one? it's for free i'm here all day oh go wait, wait wait last 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 what are you gonna do for the holidays <laughs> what are you gonna do any fun exciting things are you traveling oh. are you without you know i to be specific are you doing anything for new years anything
0: exciting so uh, i'm going back home to vegas for christmas i always go back for those days um and then my fiance and i uh tend to spend a new year's uh, taking an annual trip somewhere so last year we went to Mexico City. Um, and this year we chose New York because I realized actually I'd never spent the holidays in New York. And so we're very excited to go after Christmas and go see plays and still like, you know, muster up the, the New York holiday kind of magic of it all. Um, but I mean, we've spent New Year's everywhere from Cape Town to Jamaica, but also to like Portland and San Francisco. So it's always like a fun partner thing to just like pick a place and say, where do we want to spend New Year's this year? And it almost feels like a, A trip to reset the year, right? It's like our our personal solo vacay. So that's great. I'm very, very excited because of course I have friends in New York too. So this should be
4: fun. Yeah, so many people. And as I have your number, I stalked you. I live in New York also. I'm (laughs) a true by coastal girl. So you feel free. I'm going to retext you after this is over. I can show you not much that I know. I'm new. I'm new to New York. I'm a (laughs) full LA girl, born and raised, but I can show you what Ah. I know. Um, Okay. Denise, you have reset our new year with this podcast. This is great. This is an inspiration to take into the new year. I, I am very, very, very oh, grateful. You. Wishing nothing but the best. Not that you meet that wish because it is already happening, but understand that um, your vision is clear and you inspire others with your work. So I thank you for that. It really is oh. important to have people like you. It really is.
0: Oh, Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Thank you for making me feel seen because often, you know, you just do the work and you don't know if people are noticing or, you know, just, just for you to speak that way. Um, I appreciate that. And thank you for having me. No, Kudos to you. Of course, I love this podcast. You know, so thank you. Oh,
4: thank you. We're going to have a t- girl. I'm trust me. I'm about to tell everyone to use you for everything. I'm like, you know, who should be speaking at the class at this and now you know, like, <laughs> tell her to stop recommending me. No, no, do it. Do
0: it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I take so much joy from it. So please, please, anything you think of me and, and to your listeners, anything that you guys feel like I should be speaking to, like I'm happy to. I'm always happy to. So thank, um,
1: you. Um, thank, you. Um,
0: thank um, you. Thank you. Thank
1: um, you. Denise said something that I thought was really interesting. Uh, when she first started, and even arguably uh, when she had success, she said she, she had been broke before her words, and so she was familiar with that feeling. And so, why not? I'd already been there. There's nothing scary. I am running toward my fear. That is the way in which I interpreted it. Because oftentimes when we reach a certain level uh, of success, we feel like, I don't want to go back to being broke. And by by us, I mean me. I don't want to go back to being broke. But if you look at it, right, the perspective is, I've been there before. What's the worst that could happen if I take this chance? If I jump towards this dream? If I embrace this challenge, what is the worst that could happen? Uh, in Denise's case, she said, I can go back uh, and be a cocktail waitress in Las Vegas, where I'm from. So why not? And so I ask you this, as we approach this holiday season, as we move into this new year, why not? Why not chase your dream? Why not find the address of your dream? I'll share this story with you and I've shared it before and I'll share it again because I don't know how many times you have listened to this podcast, but a friend of mine who I consider a mentor said to me that he interviewed Tyler Perry some 15 years ago. And, 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 and by all, I guess, accounts at that time, you would say Tyler Perry was very successful 15 years ago. He had many movies, he had plays, he, had lived in his, he lives in this big house, he has all the things. And my friend interviewed him and he said, what's the dream? And without hesitation, Tyler Perry said, Walt Disney. Imagine someone asking you the address of your dream. Why is it so important? Well, because if you don't know the address of your dream, how the hell you gonna get there? And without hesitation, Tyler Perry said, Walt Disney. And it was a huge dream. It is a huge dream. It still will be a huge dream. I challenge you all to just dream big what's the worst that could happen? Thank you for listening to Naked. Talk to you next week.
4: Connect the stories, change your perspective, connecting changes everything. AT&T.
1: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.